I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to the third snack-sized episode of IntroVets podcast. Season two. Season two. Hello. Dr. Plunkett, the veterinary surgeon, is going to join us for our snack-sized episode as well. If you haven't heard her, she was introduced in the first episode, which was last week. You should definitely go listen to that. Uh, But you don't have to necessarily listen to that as a prerequisite for today's episode. But you should. But you totally should, because (laughs) it is entertaining. Um, (laughs) So, Dr. Plunkett, I have a question. Yes. Okay. In veterinary school, which has been now a depressingly long time ago, (laughs) I learned that The first surgery for a cancer patient is the most important one. So like when I was on oncology rotation, we would often see patients that had some sort of mass and the veterinarian had sort of like attempted a conservative removal and then it ended up being some sort of invasive cancer. And now they were coming to the veterinary school because they needed more surgery, plus or minus radiation, plus or minus chemotherapy for that. Whereas if we had maybe gotten the whole thing the first time, it would have been a better outcome. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. Is that still accurate? I, for the most part, yes. Okay. Um, it's, I always recommend to people, unless I know with at least a decent amount of um, certainty that it's a lipoma or something like that. Mm-hmm. That we get an incisional biopsy is ideal, or at least a fine needle aspirate. You know, of course, the problem with that is that it, I mean, again, I, we talked about this at the last episode, it costs more, you know, and some yeah. people just don't have that discretionary income. But if you're doing an incisional biopsy, you have to sedate the patient, then you've got to pay for histo. Histopathology. Yes, correct. A pathologist looking at that sample. And the other downside is that, of course, it takes longer. So instead of just doing a definitive surgery, now you've got to schedule this biopsy, do the biopsy, wait on the biopsy report to come back. And sometimes that doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't change the prognosis. Yeah. But but in a perfect world, yes, it's great to know what you're getting into because that can dictate the amount of resection that you need to do for that mass. So yes is the short answer to your question. Yes is the short answer. (laughs) It sounded like yes was also the long answer, though. (laughs) That's right. I mean, I I, I could go on. So if we can, if we can. I mean, a good bit of ours, the the general practitioner has already done some sort of diagnostic. Oh, that's good. Yeah, which is is great because then they get the revenue for that, right? And they've they've given us that information on referral. Mm Mm-hmm. The ones that that we see that haven't had that, you know, I go through that whole spiel with the owners. And and sometimes it does have a lot to do with the clinical presentation of the patient. You know, how long has the mess been present? Has it changed in size? All those all those different things. So um, I think a lot of it also has to do with the clinical presentation of the patient. And I had I had a patient come in last week. This is a good example of this. So um, an eight year old male neutered lab came in with a very large, non-painful, non-ulcerated mass in his axillary region. It was about 18 centimeters by 10 centimeters. Axillary region is kind of like the armpit. Exactly. So it had kind of started affected the way that he was walking a little Mm. bit because it's um, pushing his arm away from his body wall. So 
So depending upon what kind of mass we think that is or know that is, the approach to that could be vastly different. And so the pertinent information is that that mass was about the size of a lemon two years ago and had mm. just been slowly growing and then kind of had a, had a more rapid growth recently. And that is really important to know that it had been there for about two years. Um, so I told the owners in a, in a perfect world, we would do a CT um, and find out if there is invasion into um, adjacent musculature and do a biopsy while the patient is sedated for the CT and find out what we're dealing with. And the owner said, well, we don't live in a perfect world. And I said, duly noted. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said, statistically speaking, this is probably a lipoma that is underneath the superficial pectoral muscle. And that's why it's so firm. And this is a kind of commonplace for them to get lipomas. So I said, you know, alternatively, as long as you will understand the repercussions of approaching it this way, we can go in to remove it as if it were a lipoma, knowing that if it's not, if it comes back as a sarcoma, that there will be residual disease there, albeit it should be microscopic, and it most likely will come back. And I, I said, as long as you understand that, then then we can do this. And they, you know, were saying, well, I, th I just think with his age and of course, monetary considerations, like, I think that's the best approach. And I feel like if from an oncologic surgery, oncologic surgery standpoint, that's, I'm not being a purist at all. Um, but from a practical standpoint and meeting the clients where they are and, and making sure that they're fully informed, I, f I feel like that's like that's an okay approach because you've got to be realistic about this because it's not a perfect world. And maybe 5% of our patients have insurance nah. and the owners sometimes they just like, just make it go away. Like just make it go away. <laughs> and so, yeah. so we just, we just talk about the different outcomes and what this could be. And I really feel like as long it's all, again, it's all about expectations. And if they're fully informed and they know what to expect, this is one outcome that could happen. This is another outcome that could happen. And then that's, that's the best you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Plunkett, can we just define really quickly what a lipoma is for those oh, that might not know? Sure. Yeah. It's the best kind of tumor to have because um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's really just an accumulation of fat cells that have made a mass. Um, I think the tricky thing, which I did talk to these owners about, is that I have seen, A, mast cell tumors feel like lipomas, um, so kind of squishy, they move a little bit under the skin, and you just think it's a lipoma. And this is, this is where we get into that exact situation that, that you had brought up. You know, a, a general practitioner will go in thinking it's a lipoma because it feels like a lipoma, it's in a location that's a lipoma, is, is are frequently seen. And it's been there for a long time. And so they go in thinking it's a lipoma and then it looks a little bit funny and they send it off for histopath and shoot, it's a mast cell tumor. So yep. on it. And then that's why mast cell tumors are called the great imposters because they mm -hmm. can look like anything, they can change, they can be quiescent for years and then decide that they are angry. And so uh, aside from mast cell tumors, I honestly forgot what we were talking about. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, lipomas. Lipomas. Oh, yeah. Okay, so sorry. So sorry. It only took me one time to have 
amass come back as something that I hadn't anticipated for me to say, okay, that's it. I don't do surgery on anything that I don't aspirate first. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't. Yeah. Because I need to know what I'm getting into. And man, have I aspirated things that I thought based on palpation were going to be lipomas and have them be something different. Yeah. And the most common thing I've seen has been like soft tissue sarcomas. Yes. That's what I was going to say. I've definitely seen some soft tissue sarcomas that were surrounded by fat. Mm -hmm. And so maybe someone did a fine needle aspirate. It came back as fat. And then we do a CT and there's like this core Mm. of non-fatty tissue and we find out that it is a soft tissue sarcoma exactly yeah yeah so this happened to jj's dog that's about to say we don't know <laughs> i was like we don't know anybody who did one of those do yeah. we? <laughs> is it okay if we talk about snuffy absolutely okay so uh same thing happened with jj's dog snuffy who is a golden retriever that she adopted and we didn't really have much of a Dr. Plunkett has met Snuffy. I know. Oh, yes. oh I'm sure Dr. Plunkett remembers. Oh, yeah. Multiple bloat episodes. <laughs> yeah. um, for people that, though, <laughs> don't know Snuffy. Uh, so she's a golden retriever, and she had, I think, JJ, at the time you adopted her, right? A small mass, or did yeah, it come up It was eventually? like a BB-sized, firm, felt, felt-encapsulated little thing on her hip. It was really tiny. Yeah, And then it started to grow, like it started off like that, and then it started to kind of increase in size, but it didn't feel the same anymore. It felt more like a lipoma. And yeah. then it got to where it was, you know, pretty good, what would you say about a golf ballish mm-hmm. size? Yeah. And it felt different in different places. I mean, which, and we did do the needle aspirate on it. JJ is the only person who, because she's a technician and always technicians have weird shit with their animals. <laughs> mm, I have the so only true. one to this day that I've aspirated as a lipoma that came back to something else. Sorry, JJ. I forgot. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it was, uh, it was to be expected. Uh-huh. The free dog. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's been real low cost so far. <laughs> yeah. Care credit. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it, cause we did do the needle aspirin and I mean, it, it, it pretty much did all things like a lipoma except for to totally be one. And, and didn't, wasn't it like around the same size for a long time and then all oh, of a yeah. sudden it got bigger? Yeah. I mean, within like three to four months, it kind of blew up. And so I, that was making me concerned cause I'm like, yeah. lipomas don't normally behave that way, but eh. Yeah. So I was like, well, if this is doing this, because I was just going to kind of leave it at first. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, eh, I don't like the way this is behaving. So let's get this out of here. And that day was a, a fun day on of itself. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, because of the aspirate, like maybe this is going to be some sort of liposarcoma, which is uh, really rare. But of course, again, a technician's dog probably <laughs> would have some rare crap. But yeah, go that is a fatty tumor that <laughs> invades instead of just hanging out. But uh so I remember we got down to it. Oh, God. And I forgot about. OK, we'll just go through the whole story. I forgot <laughs> I about know. what happened after <laughs> the donut. Damn it, JJ. Um, <laughs> so I uh, JJ, of course, is running anesthesia. So she's in there and um, I'm I'm getting down to the mass and I'm approaching it like I would normally approach a lipoma. And I get down to it and I'm like, huh, JJ, this doesn't look like a lipoma. So it's like just texturally and visually, just not what I'm expecting. So I looked at her and I was like, maybe I'm wrong, because I always doubt myself about everything. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think this is a lipoma. And so I basically just went over the options and it was kind of abbreviated because like JJ's heard the speech a thousand times, like 
So the options are I can take a piece of it and find out and then come back for a definitive surgery, or we can try to take the whole thing now with somewhat conservative margins, knowing, though, that I might have to do additional surgery or even radiation later. And JJ thought about it, and we decided to go with conservative excision. So I removed it, and then we closed. (laughs) Unrelated to the type of mass, then uh, someone came back by a few minutes after she was recovered and was like, is this supposed to look like this? And I turned around, and there was like a circular swelling all the way around the incision site and i was like what the fuck it looks like someone had shoved a jar giant bagel or donut under her skin (laughs) and then closed it in there this is truly only a technician's dog only so So we got around and i was like what in the hell is this i'm like mashing on it and it feels like you know like a waterbed and i'm like yeah we like shaved one of her and did marks because it kept growing yeah i was like all right maybe it's just post-op swelling so we like did little lines with a Sharpie and then it was like bigger. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and so I was like, stick a needle in it. And it was just like pure blood. So I was like, what? What? Like, what? <laughs> like, what in the hell is happening? And um, I got on the phone actually with Dr. Harriman. And I was like, Dr. Harriman, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, I've never seen this before. And he was like, I've never seen that before either. That sounds weird. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, bye. He was like, um, run a PCV on what you're taking out and a peripheral blood and see what it is. And they were the same. And he was like, well, you got an active bleed. So, like, we had to go back into surgery, opened her up, removed all the clots. Nothing is bleeding. Nothing. <laughs> no bleeding. And we're, the blood has to be coming from someplace, but nothing's bleeding. So we sat there for, like, 10 minutes and just observed like i was like set a timer for 10 minutes and we just watched and there was like no bleeding at all i never even tied off anything and then we closed her back up and then she did fine anyway long story short it ended up being a a soft tissue sarcoma luckily a really low grade one with like like i think it was like one or two mitotic um uh, figures which is like dividing cells and um we ended up electing to not do anything else and it jj has it had any regrowth since then on the other side of the hip that small same little bb feeling thing Mm -hmm. there's one there and i've been watching it i take a feel of it every you know other week Uh and it has not changed in size at all okay it's still really tiny and because the original surgical site original surgical site other than there's one small strip of discolored hair there otherwise fine she yeah. also was bald in that region for like 1,000 year years half. after Yeah, well, she developed, she decided, I'm going to become hypothyroid around probably <laughs> four time. months into post-op. So we got the thyroid under control. And then I think she kind of got in the middle of some shedding cycles that screwed everything up. But she finally has a um, hair on her entire person for the first time since we'd had her for a good year now. Mm-hmm. Between being shaved for getting spayed and then fixing bloat and then fixing bloat and then fixing bloat again and letting some demons out and <laughs> taking care of adhesions. And I'm just like, Snuffy, um, you're going to have to uh, stop being special because you're a good mm-hmm. dog, but damn. Well, that was, that was one thing um, that I really felt secure about in this case. Like, so a client animal I would have called them from surgery and said, this isn't what I'm expecting. I want to do an incisional biopsy. Probably, like, I probably wouldn't offer to do conservative margins unless it was somebody like JJ that I felt comfortable is, like, 
I'm following the conversation and I understand what you're saying. Because yeah. so much of the time, I feel like we have a really good chat about all the pros and cons. And then later they ask me questions and I'm like, what the fuck? And you're like, let's start over. My name's Dr. Yeah. Greider. Right. And your dog's right. name is Hank. Right. I am a veterinarian and we did surgery today. Like that. That's right. Like, you're making me real nervous. Uh, but anyway. Funny story about expectations actually real quick <laughs> i remember during my residency we had this rottweiler that had um i, th- I think it was a squame on his nose i don't remember what was on his nose a sorry um just oh. for everybody listening <laughs> squamous cell carcinoma yes yeah, so sorry he, okay. he had a, a tumor on his nose okay and so um we talked to the owner we're gonna have to remove his nose and you know we'll whatever and she was like okay gave us consent whatever so we go into surgery i specifically remember facetiming i had one resident mate in surgery with me another resident mate on facetime because she had finished her residency because i had never done a nosectomy before mm-hmm. and so they're helping me through the surgery and we want to make sure it doesn't stenose and uh close up so the dog can't breathe and so mm-hmm. we so we take this dog's nose off so um the student you know they usually call the owner's post-op as long as everything went well and everything went fine called the owner and was like hey so we got done with surgery and everything went fine we removed his nose and the owner was like you you what oh no and we're like well we took his nose off because of the tumor and she's like okay well i mean that's fine i guess that's just not what i expected and we're like but but the tumor was like how but we took the nose because the tumor was on the nose (laughs) and she was luckily she was fine with it But she just didn't understand that we were cutting her dog's nose off. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they just, you know, they think they understand. And it's really hard to explain something to someone when they don't know that they don't understand. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've I've definitely been in that situation recently. Yeah. Oh, God. I would, again, peeing myself literally like. Yes. Yeah, fortunately, her focus was, I just want the tumor gone. I hope my right. dog's okay. It wasn't oh. the aesthetics, because dogs look very different without a nose. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Misunderstanding. Oh, Check. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, okay, so one time I I removed a mass from the lip of a dog, and I had gone through and told them, like, look, Tumors in dogs' mouths are bad most of the time. Like, I went through the whole thing. This is probably cancer. I'm worried it's an aggressive cancer. I'm worried it's a melanoma. You know, if it were a melanoma, like, I went through all the stuff. Like, if it is a melanoma, here's all the stuff we've got to do. I mean, we had hours of phone conversations about this before they decided to biopsy. And I was like, again, we're, I am going to remove the visible portion of it. But you have to understand there's no way for me to get the microscopic portion of it without chopping the face off, (laughs) they seemed like they were on board, okay? So then later when I called them back with the pathology results and I was like, it is a melanoma like we were worried about. Here are what your options are. Then they're like, but I thought you removed it. And I'm like, okay, remember our hour and a half conversation (laughs) about how it's going to look like it's gone, but it might not really be gone on a microscopic level. And they were like, no. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean you don't oh remember? We, we spent an hour and a half. But luckily, I, because I'm so anal retentive about everything, anytime I have an app, like a, a conversation like that with an owner, I immediately am like, 
email. And so then I type wow. like a, a, an outline version of like everything that we discussed and I send it to them via email. So then I'm like, go ahead and refer back to the email that I sent you to follow up about a phone call. And then they were like, oh, yeah, I do see that now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are the freaking notes from our conversation. Anyway, <laughs> what the hell? Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. Clearly not over that. 100%. <laughs> Damaged. Uh, Damaged. Yep. Well, Damaged yeah. from that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've kind of talked about a few different ways to investigate masses before we consider removing them definitively. Let's maybe just kind of list them real quick and kind of go over what they are. So the first we mentioned was a fine needle aspiration. Yeah. So fine needle aspirates are are great in that they're relatively non-invasive. Um, you can do them with the patient awake. The turnaround time for the results is faster than a biopsy. It's usually one to two business days. The downside is that you don't get as much information and you may not get a diagnostic sample. So for example, sarcomas, um, their cells are very, very sticky and they don't exfoliate very well. So if you stick a needle in a sarcoma, you may or may not get sarcoma cells in that needle versus a carcinoma whose cells aren't that sticky. Um, you're highly likely to get cells in that needle, and then you shoot the sample out on a slide and submit it. So it really depends on um, a lot on the sample that you're aspirating. So for some masses, if I suspect it's a sarcoma, you know, I, I go through that whole spiel with the owners. We can do a fine needle aspirate. It's less expensive. We don't have to sedate. It takes two seconds, blah, blah, blah. If it comes back as fat, I might not believe it. And mm -hmm. then we have to do an incisional biopsy. So, so there's, there's pluses and minuses to all of it. And, and again, then if, if you do the fine needle aspirate and you get uh, a non-believable, an unbelievable result, then do you have to go and do an incisional biopsy? So now you like, you just keep pushing out definitive therapy over and over again. So, yeah, which some people want, they're okay with that. Like they just want to know what they're dealing with. And so they take it step by step by step. <laughs> can be excruciating. <laughs> We do blood work one day. We do chest rads the next day. We do <laughs> fine needle aspirate the following week. I mean, it just, it totally depends on the personality of, you know, of the owner. But so then the next thing that I'll recommend, and which I think is, again, in a perfect world, you do an incisional biopsy. You're going to get a biopsy as opposed to cytology. So you get the way that the cells interact with each other, the architecture of the mass. You get a lot more information but it's an incision, and so you have to sedate the patient. It's a longer turnaround time. It's more expensive, but, but you get that information. Um, and then non-invasive ways of further investigating would be like, um, like a CAT scan or an MRI or whatever advanced you know, imaging you could do. Sometimes that's even just radiographs you know, is, is sufficient to get more information. Um, certainly... Other ways just to get more information would be the minimum database. So do we have blood work yet? Which, of course, most of our patients, by the time we get them, have had blood work. But it's really important to look for perineoplastic syndromes in certain cancers. So secondary ways that the body can be affected by the presence of this mass. And I, I think the best non-surgical example of that is probably lymphoma and hypercalcemia. Um, yeah. From a surgical perspective, with anal sac adenocarcinoma, we can see hypercalcemia. With osteosarcomas, we can see elevated ALP. Um, so looking for those, those often have prognostic significance. 
And then um, doing three view chest x-rays in patients that have, that have cancer, I think is, is again, in an ideal world, you know, if the owners can't afford it, which a lot of, of course, the clients, by the time we get them either have had those three view chest x-rays or it's, it's nominal compared, you know, to the price of the surgery. But if it's a younger dog that has cancer of some sort, it's probably pretty aggressive. And so it's good to look in the chest and see if there's metastatic disease, you know, disease that has spread to the chest. If it's an older patient, they may have concomitant illnesses or diseases in their chest that you want to know about before moving on with this large procedure and or just anesthesia. You know, it may make them at anesthetic, put them at anesthetic risk. So um, I think there's there's a lot of things that we can do prior to to jumping in that are just due diligence, really. Should we be taking three view chest films of all of our patients during a workup for a mass? I, I think to be complete, yes, it's always it just gives you more information. And I guess depending on the mass, this the surgery to remove it could be pretty extensive. You know, they may need to be under anesthesia for hours, depending on what it is. But again, just from like a screening perspective, um, is there anything going on in the chest that would change our anesthetic protocol or would preclude surgery altogether? You know, if a patient does have metastatic disease, that may change the owner's decision to move forward because it's already spread. Um, I have had some patients where let's say we're working them up for some subcutaneous mass or something. We take chest films and there's a pulmonary mass. So they have two different what? types of cancer. That's <laughs> happened very rarely, but, but that you want to know that, you know, before yeah. you make this um, in investment, not, not just monetary, but putting the patient through that, you know, a big surgery. So I, yeah. again, in a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. Chest x-rays prior to, Surgery for masses is always the thing that I kind of have trouble for with forgetting about. Like yeah. I'm, I'm always about to like get the dog under, and I'm like, shit, uh, <laughs> somebody get the owner on the phone. Um, and like, will you make sure that's okay for me to do that before? Yeah, you get under? Oh. like I forget every time. I need to make a list. Is what I need to do. Yes, a protocol, right? Standard mm-hmm. operating yes. procedures. Yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're big on protocols. Here on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> it's our favorite. <laughs> yes. Talk about setting expectations. If you have your standard operating procedure for your hospital written down, that is a pretty good way to set expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, instead of doing the whole, we don't have a protocol for anything and you know, you have to ask a question and the answer changes depending on the mood and what's going on of the person you have to ask. <laughs> That's my favorite. But not really. Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. We're going to go over our good thing for the week. Dr. Plunkett, do you want to join in? Um, Give me a sec to think about it. Okay. Sure. JJ, what is your favorite thing this week? Um, I, I'm sure I'm... Everybody's going to be tired of hearing about my house thing, but we had no. another issue of they're like, oh, the granite you picked out has uh, been discontinued. And I'm like, <laughs> I have exactly 24 hours to fix this and I might have to repick a whole lot of things. Crap. Uh, so I, on my lunch break, I scooted down to the model home and they showed me options. And I'm like, you know what? That one over there, it, it'll work just fine. In fact, it works a little bit better. Let's do that. And it was uh, a lot quicker and easier of an outcome. 
I took some pictures, made sure everything looked good, and it looked fine. So we were a go. Yay. <laughs> so it could have been a disaster, but it turned out okay. It turned out, yeah, it turned out better, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yep. It's always good when many disasters turn out to happy things. So <laughs> yay. It does happen. It does, yeah. No panic at the disco. <laughs> Uh, so I, um, instead of just sitting in my garden dreaming about what I'm going to do yesterday, <laughs> I got a wild hair and just decided I was going to do it. Like, let's do it. Uh, it was beautiful outside yesterday. It was cool. I got sunburned because it was so pleasant outside. <laughs> but I just decided, like, screw it. We're just going to, you know, we're going to move these beds. So I <laughs> took a shovel and just started removing the sod from the area that I had mapped out just uh, with five minutes notice. And nice. although I am super sore from hand removing sod <laughs> and then wheelbarrowing it out to the road. Um, other than that, things are good. So now I have like a major um, situation going on in my backyard but that's good because it's going to make me over the next couple days like have to finish it (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like fully invested at this point like we jumped in with both feet maybe a little bit before we should have but anyway the new garden bed is happening (laughs) it happens i did it yeah i should post one of those tiktoks where it's like don't do it girl (laughs) it's not worth it and then they're like i did it (laughs) there's also one that i like so sidebar tiktok corner one of the sounds that i like the best is the is a play on that one where it's like don't do it girl it's not gonna be worth and then the person's like i already did it i already did it (laughs) They probably weren't talking about a garden, though. <laughs> I mean, people apply it to all sorts That's right. of stuff. Highly applicable. I already did it. You already done did it. That's right. Dr. Plunkett, what about you? Um, I I honestly think the best thing this week is that I'm not on call. I'm yeah. Finally- <laughs> Dr. Harriman was on spring break last week, and I was by myself, and it was really busy, and, and it was good busy, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I just want to hang out and not. So you have like no responsibilities for the day. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I take it. I accept. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are recording this on Easter. It won't come out for a little bit, but I hope that you have a pleasant Easter. Well, thank you. We're, we're going to go hide some eggs with the kids. and That sounds fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to apparently go work on your garden. Yeah, not to Lowe's, apparently. I didn't, uh, we maybe miscalculated that part of the speech. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. Hmm. Anyway, so I guess Monday I will finish because I don't have the supplies I need. Surprise. Oops. Surprise, it's Easter. We didn't think about things very far in advance. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dr. Plunkett, thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all. It's been great. (laughs) Before we sign off, we'd like everyone to know that we've created a listener poll. We've created the poll to help us understand our audience better and to bring you the best content possible. If you wouldn't mind filling out the poll, we would really appreciate it. And you'll find the links to the poll on our social media accounts. If you have stories, submissions, or anything you want us to read, 
send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us um, on social media, Facebook and Instagram at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And we'll see you next time. Thanks and bye. Bye bye.